I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Arsenal versus Norwich City. Premier League. Wednesday, June 1st, 6pm. 1. Contents. 2. Head Coach, Mikel Arteta. 3. Captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 4. Voice of Arsenal. 5. Academy. 6. Match Action, Arsenal vs West Ham. 7. History. 8. Player Questionnaire, Matteo Guendouzi. 9. Notice Board. 10. Women. 11. Match Action, Brighton vs Arsenal. 12. Visitors, Norwich City. 13. Match Action, Man City vs Arsenal. 14. Teams. The head coach, Mikel Arteta. The head coach reflects on a time like no other. I think I would need the entire programme to talk through everything that has happened since my last notes for the West Ham game at the start of March. It has been a time like no other. At the start of the year, no one could have predicted the experiences that this football club, me personally, the local community and, of course, all of you supporters, would all go through. I know this programme pays tribute to the many Arsenal supporters who died due to the virus and I would like to also give my sincere condolences to all of those families for whom this pandemic has been so devastating. I would also like to say that we, your Arsenal family, are with you just like your loved ones were always with us throughout their lives. As a club, I am extremely proud of the many things we managed to do to help our community. Lots of you will have seen the Arsenal Together at night, which really illustrated the work so many people had done to support the NHS and help those in tough circumstances. I'm also proud of how we managed the staged reintroduction to training and how carefully and professionally we trod that path. The players were fantastic in understanding the difficult circumstances and we were very well prepared for the first game back against Manchester City. I thought we were really competitive in the first 30 minutes of that game, creating problems for them despite losing Granite to injury early on, which was a blow. 
that after the penalty and the red card, we had a mountain to climb against quality opposition. At Brighton, we found ourselves in a position to win the game. We should have won comfortably, and we gave it away. We lost important duels, and we lost attention at times, and we were punished. We only had ourselves to blame. It was consecutive defeats, and we had to lift the players and get them to believe in what they are doing, and they really showed that against Southampton. I was asked after the game about the lucky first goal, and I was quick to point out how Eddie's attitude and anticipation enabled him to put the goalkeeper under that pressure. It's one of a number of great qualities he has. We nearly profited from their errors on other occasions too, because of the way the team closed them down. To see Joe get his first Premier League goal was also fantastic, and again, he made that situation with a desire to get to the ball. I know I speak for everyone at the club when I say how proud it makes us feel when two young academy products win the game for us, and I know fans have a special affinity with lads who we have developed. We are a young team, and there are a lot of things we have to improve. We have to recognise and have to probably go through some things in a negative way to learn. But these players are so willing. They will always give the effort and they really want it. As a coaching team, we just have to make sure we give them the right environment to learn everything they need to learn so they can be top-class players in a top-class team. It is great for me that we can call on so many talented young players. Matthew Smith has been part of the squad for the last two games too, as we have suffered with injuries since the restart. We feared Bant's injury could have been worse, so that's good news. But on the other side, Gabby looks to be out for a significant length of time, certainly the rest of this season. He has had a fantastic first season at the club, which he can be really proud of, and I think we will see his special talent and character continue to develop when he gets back. On Sunday, I think the attitude and the commitment of every single player was fantastic. There were really good moments where we played and we did the things I asked them to do and the way we dealt with Sheffield United's play. They are really good at what they do, the way they commit people forward, the way they play in the second phases, the way they defend outside the box. I knew there were some phases that we were going to suffer and how we dealt with that, I am really, really pleased. Finally, I just want to thank you once again for your support of this club and everything it does on and off the pitch. I have been captain of this great club and now I am head coach and both of these roles means I have notes in the programme like many captains and managers before me. These notes often end with something like Cheer on the lads today, your support makes a huge difference. And now we are in the unique situation of starting a Premier League game with no one here at Emirates to answer that rallying call. But we know you are with us and we are determined to make you cheer and celebrate, even if it has to be in your own living room. You could say that the importance of football was put into context over the last four months, but I also think that for many people it is the one thing that can make them happier than any other. And that's really important at a time like this, when there has been so much sadness in so many people's lives.
Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the captain on finally returning to competitive action at Emirates Stadium. Today's game is going to feel very strange for the players. We have now experienced four games without any fans, but coming to our own home where we get such great support and there being nobody there, it will take a bit of getting used to. I know the club have worked really hard to make the stadium feel as positive for us as possible, although I'm sure we will still enjoy the familiarity and the amazing surface that is always prepared for us. And we have trained Emirates a number of times during lockdown, so we understand the procedures and those empty stands won't be a total shock for us. But as a group of players, in fact more than just players, but everyone across the world, we have to get used to some very unusual situations very quickly. And playing Emirates with no fans is just the latest. Lockdown for me personally was okay. I have a home gym and I was able to ensure I kept myself really fit and healthy. It was hard to adjust to the isolation of only being at home, but the positive thing for me was at least I was able to be close to my family every day. And I really enjoyed that side of it. I have a garden, the weather was good, and I could keep fit and play outside with my kids. We all enjoyed that. But for many people, the past four months have been a nightmare. There are lots of Arsenal supporters who are mourning loved ones who they've lost to this virus. I know that this programme remembers these fans and I want to say, as captain, how all of the players feel for you at this time and want to say how sorry we are. And I also know that there are many people who didn't have my experience in lockdown because they were not able to be with their family and they have no outside space. I was amazed at how patient and understanding people all over the world have been in these circumstances and for those who have already had a difficult time due to the virus. I think football coming back was important to hopefully put a smile on their faces and somehow make the world feel a bit more normal. That's one of the reasons footballers were so keen to get back playing, despite the risks and changes to changing and matches. In our first two games back, we weren't able to make Arsenal fans smile, but I think we played well of much for the first half against Man City, and we controlled long spells of the Brighton game. Once we had to chase a game at City with 10 men, that was going to be a very big challenge, but at Brighton, we let ourselves down, and we were ahead, and we know that. We put things right at Southampton with a professional discipline display. I wanted that 50th Premier League goal for Arsenal and came close when I hit the bar and had a couple of other moments when things were nearly fell for me. But thankfully, Eddie and Joe did the business. You can see that my relationship with Eddie is developing, and I have loved being able to watch his game improve every day that I have been there. One thing is, he's always had a great attitude and work rate, and that's what I got from him, and that's what got his goal. He closes down so quickly, and even if you don't get to the keeper hunting them down, like that can force a team to change its whole approach. Joe has an eye for a goal, and 
I've seen that in other competitions. But the first league goal is a big thing, especially when you only have 20. At the same age when I was playing, I got my first top flight goal in France for Lillel. I thought the substitutes did really well when they came on at Southampton. And I liked how the second goal was lacquer. Lacquer Joe, they were determined to get it. Lacquer was continued the great work against Sheffield United, winning the penalty, captaining the team, and to win against a really tough team. I thought I was going to be coming on for extra time, but thankfully, Danny's fantastic finish let me have a day off. As captain of the club, it's important that we have recognised the amazing work of the NHS with the patch on our shirts and also Black Lives Matter, which we had in place of our games for the first couple and they will be on our shirts for the rest of this season. This was driven by the captains in our league, the number of whom, like me, are BAME and also represent so many BAME players in all of our squads We think football can make a difference in challenging racism. It has a bigger influence on the world than any sport. It's powerful. For myself, I have obviously experienced racism in my life. There was even an incident at the Emirates Stadium last season. It's hurtful and we have to call it out. It's important that we as players speak up, not all of us, not just players who have experienced racism. Look how powerful the message was from Ben Mee after Burnley played Man City. You could see he was hurting, as were his club. When they witnessed racism in the name of their club, great respect to them. Finally on this, fans may have seen the Arsenal fan in Orlando, Aston Mack, who was wearing a shirt with my name on the back of the protests. He spoke amazingly about the Black Life Matters movement and I was proud of him as an Arsenal fan. It's worth finding his interview online if you haven't seen it. Thanks again for your support for the team and for the club during this really tough time. I was part of the Arsenal Together night a few weeks ago which showed the power we all have as a club. It says it all. We are Arsenal Together. of Arsenal. Arsenal and coronavirus. Football is back at Emirates Stadium. But our game today against Norwich City is being played in very different circumstances to our last match here, when we played West Ham on Saturday, March the 7th. With 60,335 attending the game four months ago, Today's match will take place in front of just 300 essential staff, emergency services and media. Due to the new constraints put on football and everyday life by the coronavirus pandemic. The past four months have been some of the most testing this football club has had to endure in its 134-year history. But for all the challenges encountered by Arsenal FC they pale into insignificance compared to those faced by our local community. And Arsenal are proud of how we have been able to help so many organisations and individuals during the pandemic. Highlighted later in this section of today's programme. Both teams will feature NHS patches on their shirts this evening to recognise the remarkable dedication and courage of NHS staff throughout the pandemic. 
Every single Arsenal supporter across the globe will have been affected to some extent by COVID-19. Sadly, a significant amount of families and friends are mourning those fans who paid the ultimate price. We wanted to recognise the lives of those supporters who passed away due to the virus, and our front cover and Arsenal Remembers section in this programme includes many of those supporters. We remember those fans who are not with us anymore, but we also want to recognise the sacrifices and disruption faced by every supporter over this period, and offer a sincere thank you for your continued support now and in the future. Victoria Concordia Crescent. Victory through harmony. Theo Foley. Arsenal Football Club was deeply saddened to hear of the recent death of our former assistant manager, Theo Foley. Theo was a key member of the backroom staff during George Graham's successful time as manager. The matchday programme will feature a full obituary in the Leicester City issue next week. Black Lives Matter As well as the recognition of the NHS on the player's kit today, each shirt will also feature the Black Lives Matter logo, as football continues to support this important movement. All player names were replaced by Black Lives Matter on the back of shirts, for the first 12 matches of the restarted 2019-20 season. Matchday programmes on Matchday As you are aware, the club are producing Matchday programmes for the final four fixtures of the season. We believe this slightly condensed issue represents great value for just £3, and we'd also like to remind readers and listeners in the UK that we have adjusted our print schedules, in order for programmes to be sent out in time for each match, to help make match days feel a little bit more familiar for our Emirates regulars. In addition, a digital version of the programme will be available on arsenal.com on the day of each match. Go to Arsenal Direct slash souvenirs to order your programmes for future games. Sir Chips retires. On May the 28th, the club announced the retirement of Sir Chips Keswick, chairman of Arsenal Holdings Limited, after seven years at the helm of the club. Lifelong Arsenal fan Sir Chips, who turned 80 in February, has been a member of the Arsenal board since 2005. Sir Chips, a former chairman of Hambrose Bank and director of the Bank of England, said, It has been an honour to be the chairman of this great football club. Arsenal has always held a special place in my life, and that will remain the case in the future. I made my plan to retire at the end of this season clear to the board before the global health crisis. The club is in safe hands with Stan and Josh, the board and the executive team. I know Arsenal will emerge strongly from this situation – and I look forward, like all our supporters around the world, to seeing the team in action as soon as possible. The board will now be composed of Stan Cranker, Josh Cranker, Lord Harris and Ken Fryer. Arsenal FC would like to offer sincere thanks to Sir Chips for his dedication during his time as chairman and his lifelong support, which will continue unabated. 
Player contracts. A number of players agreed new contracts with the club last week. David Lewis has signed a new one-year deal. Pablo Mari will complete his formal move from Flamengo on a long-term deal when the transfer window opens next month. Cedric will join us permanently on a long-term deal from Southampton, and Dani Ceballos has extended his loan spell from Real Madrid until the end of the current season. Technical director Edu said, "I am really happy that we will have these players in our squad for the future." They have been part of the long-term technical plan Mikel and I have developed. They bring the right balance to our squad. It was also announced that two young gunners left the club when their contracts ended today. Young defender Toby Omoli is moving on after six years with the Gunners, during which time the 20-year-old became an important member of the PL2 setup. Matthew Dennis is also leaving the club. The 18-year-old right back has been part of the academy since the age of six, and was a regular in the under-18 team, including scoring a winner in the FA Youth Cup against Southampton this season. Best of luck, Toby and Matthew. Arsenal together. The Arsenal community working together. Over the four months that the country has been paralysed by the devastating effects of COVID-19. Arsenal Football Club, its fan base and associates have worked tirelessly to provide support for the NHS and the many groups who have been affected by the virus. The work has been many-faceted, and here we highlight some of the support that has been offered locally and abroad. Arsenal Football Club would like to thank everyone who has helped and continues to help in the response to the pandemic. One. Financial help: one hundred thousand pounds pledged by Arsenal Football Club. An additional fifty thousand pounds was raised via the Islington Giving Partnership. In all, the total money raised is now in excess of two hundred thousand pounds, having been bolstered by funds from the Arsenal Together event and donations from supporters, players, and regular donors such as Squadron Mustafi. Arsenal Vision Podcast, Peter Olsen, Arsenal Supporters Trust, Leslie William, Dave Seeger, and Legends. Two emergency supplies: over one hundred and fifty thousand meals, representing seventy-five tons of emergency supplies, have been delivered into Camden, Islington, and Hackney from May the ninth to date. More than seven thousand five hundred pounds worth of supplies came from the Gunners Fund, eighteen pallets, five juggernauts full, one hundred and fifty pallets in total. More than two thousand food parcels delivered separately to vulnerable mental health residents. Three, NHS support, five hundred face shields were delivered to the Whittington Hospital, five hundred to Islington Council. Club cars were made available for Islington and Camden NHS Foundation Trust. Arsenal volunteers drove NHS staff daily to and from home and to their appointments. Destinations included Dagenham, Walthamstow, Hackney, and Fulham. Fifty-nine days were spent driving NHS workers 
totaling 636 driving hours and 6,820 miles. Drinks and snacks were delivered to the Whittington and Homerton hospitals, including over 8,000 bottles of refreshments. Messages of support were received by the NHS workers from legends and players. 4. COVID-19 Gunners Fund The Gunners Fund was repurposed to create an emergency COVID-19 community response fund, which local charities and organisations could apply for, small grants up to £2,500. To help with the increasing number of applications, new staff members volunteered to join the committee. So far, 33 organisations and charities across Islington, Camden and Hackney have been supported at a cost of £73,200. Those supported have included local food banks, community centres, telephone support lines for refugees support for adults with learning difficulties, support for rough sleepers, music therapy projects, and many more. 5. Educational Resources 15 surplus iPads from Arsenal in the community were delivered to local schools. 250 laptops donated to local schoolchildren in partnership with Intel. Double Club Languages Digital Resources were developed and provided free in French and Spanish. Arsenal Home Learning Digital Resources were produced, featuring players and legends. Go and Learn with Arsenal free subscriptions were made available, our official licensed English language learning app, available in French, Spanish and Arabic. Regular webinars for casual staff, with special guests such as Paul Davis, Leah Williamson and Ian Birchnell, Ostersons. 6. Supporter Services Contacted more than 3,500 supporters around the world via the contact centre. Pat Rice, Ian Wright and Hector Bellerin were amongst those who checked in on fans. Since March, supporter services have responded to 246 supporters who are terminally ill. This number is usually around 100. Of these, 97 included messages from Mikel Arteta or the players. Created hashtag Arsenal Together for supporters to call out their everyday heroes. 165 submissions. The Disability Liaison Team set up a call line for members to combat loneliness. 7. Support for existing community participants and staff. Continued to deliver full BTEC curriculum remotely. Supported bowlers with food drops and visits. Kept in touch with football development groups and Freedom from Torture participants. WhatsApp groups for 16-plus participants signposting to any well-being services. Female participants took part in London Marathon Trust 2.6-mile run. Men's and Women's Health Project and Employability Programmes continued. Supported casual staff workforce with a full programme of CPD opportunities. 8. Inspiring others within our community to act. 
Arsenal women head coach Joe Montemuro volunteered back home in Australia to pack toys for disadvantaged children. Gap year participant Odie volunteered for the NHS rather than travelling back home to Greece. Arsenal staff filmed interviews for secondary school career resources. Staff volunteered for Age UK to keep connected with elderly bowls participants. 9. PL Kicks Programme Young people from our Premier League Kicks Programme joined staff to volunteer with Manor Gardens, helping create an outdoor well-being space. Volunteered at Islington Food Distribution Centre. Six participants helped with 18 drops to Caxton House, where arts and crafts sessions are held for the elderly. 10. Coaching for Life Created virtual groups to maintain aspects of the programme in Jordan. Radio-based delivery of sessions in Jakarta. Updated content of sessions to link to the pandemic and help children make sense of it. Worked with Jordan Ministry of Education to create filmed activities, encouraging children isolating to remain active. Led by Arsenal coaches, this was broadcast on national television. Arsenal Together Arsenal Together Evening The club's media team hosted the largest ever online gathering of Arsenal players, supporters and legends. Aim To bring the Arsenal family together, raise funds for the Arsenal Foundation and celebrate key workers around the world. Hosted by Matt Lucas and featured Mikel Arteta, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alfie Allen, Hector Bellerin, Lethal Bizzle, Chunksy, Lee Dixon, Samo Farah, Roman Kemp, Martin Keown, Dermot O'Leary, Will Poulter, Rapman, Alex Scott, David Seaman, Tiny Temper, Leah Williamson, Laura Woods, and Ian Wright. 555,000 views across all platforms. Arsenal.com and app, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Arsenal remembers. Are victims of coronavirus. The coronavirus pandemic has been, and remains, a devastating episode in the history of the world. Tens of thousands of people have died, and among them, many Arsenal supporters. The front cover of today's programme pays tribute to those members of the Arsenal family, including a former player and long-time member of staff who have passed away. Here we feature the tributes paid by family and friends to those we have lost. Arsenal Football Club extends sincere condolences to the friends and families of all of these gunners and to those of other supporters who sadly succumbed to the virus, of whom we haven't been made aware. Thanks for your support. Rest in peace. Christina Abe Our mum was special. She was extremely friendly, kind, joyous and happy. She loved Arsenal and would always watch games with her grandchildren. We will miss her. Andrew Alicoon, March the 31st, 1963 to April the 10th, 2020, aged 57. 
a loving husband and father. He followed Arsenal all his life. He will be sadly missed by all his family and friends. Andy Amos, huge Arsenal fan from the Malcolm McDonald years. Many happy times taking his two sons and nephew to matches. Mitchell, Tyler, and Sean will be sadly missed. Derek Anderson, father and grandfather to Jeff and Hannah Anderson. R.I.P. Derek. Steve Avis, our great friend and passionate Arsenal fan, passed away during lockdown. Steve became a Gooner in 1970, and shared so many memorable times with his Arsenal family. Bob Baker, 1946 to 2020, Arsenal born and bred, the most amazing dad, partner, brother, granddad, uncle, and friend. He will be sorely missed by all who knew him. Jim Betts. Sadly, passed away, aged eighty-four. Jim witnessed some memorable games at Highbury, including the Fairs Cup win over Anderlecht. Missed by all, forever in our thoughts. R.I.P. Dad. Man by Carson Banderi, our superwoman, forever missed and in our hearts. Our guardian angel looking over us. Sorry, we never got a chance to take you to support your beloved football team live. Peter Colthorpe, December the ninth, nineteen thirty-seven to April the sixteenth, two thousand and twenty. A husband, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, friend to many, and lifelong Arsenal fan. Our family, Colthorpe FC, have lost our greatest ever manager. Bernard Clancy, nineteen forty-three to two thousand and twenty, our beloved husband, father, and granddad, a true gooner. He will still be watching them with us all, but we will just be in different seats. Nobby Clark, nineteen forty-seven to two thousand and twenty, born July seventeenth, nineteen forty-seven. My dad loved family and Arsenal. A kind gentleman who attended games and made friends. Anyone who met him warmed to him. I love you, Dad. Dan Connolly died on April the thirtieth, two thousand and twenty, from COVID nineteen. He was ninety-three and had supported Arsenal since the nineteen thirties. He has seven grandsons. All Arsenal followers. Patricia Cole, nineteen thirty-one to two thousand and twenty, forever in our thoughts. Derek Emery, June the fourteenth, nineteen thirty, to April the twenty-first, two thousand and twenty. A lifelong Arsenal supporter, loved so much by his family and friends, he will be forever in our hearts. Leslie Margaret Fisher, aged seventy-eight, mum, nan, and great nan, a victim of coronavirus on April the twenty-seventh, two thousand and twenty, 
reunited with Dad. Much loved and missed. Love you always. John Galbraith, Dad, Grandad, thank you for everything, including instilling the passion that we have for the Arsenal. You will be a gooner forever. Lawrence Michael Gold, lifelong gooner, Bergkamp besotted, season ticket holder for over twenty-five years, forever in our memories. In Dad's words, in the unbeatable season, we will never see football like this again. Sally, Karen, Nick, and Tim. Gerald Herring, nineteen forty-eight to two thousand and twenty. He charmed all with his sense of humour and tales of being a real-life Del Gelboy. His memory lives on as we raise a glass and a smile. Sydney Hill, sadly, on May the thirtieth, two thousand and twenty, we lost Sydney, aged ninety, a season ticket holder for many years, and a massive gooner. Sydney was the life and soul of the group, and will be sorely missed by all who knew him. We miss you, Sid. Brian Richard Hooker, May the third, nineteen thirty-five, to April the thirtieth, two thousand and twenty. A lifelong gooner and regular at Highbury and Emirates since 1946, first with his father Bert, and then with his sons Sean, Ed, and his grandchildren. Jean-François Igu passed away due to COVID-19, survived by his wife, three children, and seven grandchildren. An avid football fan, he enjoyed watching Arsenal surrounded by family. Cigar in hand. Amen, Johal. We will always remember him as the loving, kind, and determined young man he was, who made the very most of his life. Errol Kaufman lost his life to COVID nineteen on May the first, two thousand and twenty, a day before his sixty-third birthday. First went to Highbury in 1966 and stood on the north bank. A silver member who was looking forward to the new era under Mikel Arteta. Arsenal has lost one of their loyal supporters. Archana Kothari, dear mum, rest in peace. You're going to be in my heart forever. I love you. Amen. Kenny Lake, born December the twenty-first, nineteen thirty-four, in Hackney, London, died April the nineteenth, two thousand and twenty, after a short illness. Kenny was a massive Arsenal supporter all his life, and will be missed by all of his family. Glenn Larson, my dad loved Arsenal, his family, Bandy, and his friends. And we loved him. His memory lives on in all our hearts. Peter Mackey, sadly passed during lockdown with no funeral. Brother, uncle, and Arsenal through and through. We'll always think of you on match day, knowing you're cheering along. Love you. Jack Manton, 
lifelong Arsenal fan, loving grandad, dad and husband, the most loving man you could ever meet, once a gooner, always a gooner. Osman Ali Mehmet, April the 15th, 1953 to April the 1st, 2020, a true gent, never failed to make us laugh with your stories. We all miss you dearly, and may you rest in eternal peace. Once a gooner, always a gooner. Shirley and Norman Milne, passed on April the 12th and April the 20th, 2020, respectively, both from COVID-19 and both aged 81. Dad was an avid Arsenal fan, and Mum had no choice but to support them. Dad's favourite player was Charlie Nicholas, probably because of the Scottish connection. They are survived by their staunch Arsenal-supporting family, Steve, Lynn, Mick, Stuart and six grandchildren. Linda Moore I met Linda in the UCLH hospital in 1975. From 2001, we fought cancer and... Given two weeks to live, she passed to COVID-19 on April the 11th, 2020. She loved Arsenal and Edu. Raymond Pennington, of Fayetteville, Arkansas, passed away on May the 4th, 2020 from COVID-19 at the age of 94. Ray served in the Navy on the USS Mackenzie during World War II. Adrian Pitt, September 1960 to April 2020. Adrian, from Islington, loved his family and Arsenal. From the clock end to Emirates, he taught three generations of family to love Arsenal, and we must beat Tottenham. Malcolm Pridmore, passed away aged 56 on May the 13th, 2020. Born in Hackney, Malcolm moved to Shotley, Suffolk, 20 years ago. He will be dearly missed by wife Paula, four daughters and nine grandchildren. Bill Prollins, my dad, went to Arsenal from 1945. His hero was Compton. He laughed like a drain when Walcott got booked for dropping Christopher Samba at his last visit. Ashley Reed a devoted Arsenal fan who loved the club with all his heart. Every win and defeat was personal, a true gunner for life. A beloved son, brother, uncle, nephew and fiancé. Forever in our hearts. Ron Roback, aged 90, truly a gunner for life. Very much loved and deeply missed by his family and friends. Len Robbins, aged 91, lifelong Arsenal fan and reason for the whole family being Gooners. Died from COVID-19 in Milton Keynes Hospital on April the 28th, 2020. Alpha Sadu, a consultant physician who died aged 67 after working for 40 years in the NHS. A devoted husband, father and grandfather 
He leaves a lifetime of wonderful memories for Diane, Danny, Mansa, and family. Arnold Stanton, a legend who made everyone smile, gone but not forgotten. May his memory be a blessing. From the Kirsch, Allen, Taylor, and Rose families. Costa Tavatskis, a lifelong Arsenal fan. Our wonderful husband, dad, and granddad miss you every day, and will love you forever. From Molly, Paul, Kay, and Matt. Dave Triggs, not a supporter, but a long-serving steward at Highbury and Emirates, taken by this rotten virus. R.I.P. Fella. Hussein Mehmet Turkan. An incredible dad and our best friend, lifelong fan who grew up in Highbury, and our home in N17 is known for his huge Arsenal flag. Your legacy will live on. Love you always. Colin Webster, a brilliant father, grandfather, uncle, friend, and a fantastic ambassador to amateur boxing. He will be forever missed by all who were lucky to know him. Robert White, Bob, passed away peacefully in April, aged eighty-six. He was a loyal supporter for over fifty years. Will be sadly missed by family, friends, and fellow Arsenal supporters. Dave Bakuzi. It was with great sadness that we learned of the death of former full-back Dave Bakuzi, aged seventy-nine. Dave, the son of England international Joe Bakuzi, was born and bred in Islington and an England youth international. He joined us from Eastbourne United in March nineteen fifty-eight as a seventeen-year-old, and remained with us for six years, playing forty-eight first-team games. And more than one hundred other representative matches, before being transferred to Manchester City for twenty-five thousand pounds in April nineteen sixty-four. He later played for Reading before a successful coaching career in Ireland with Cork Hibernians, Home Farm, and he also managed the League of Ireland eleven. Dave settled in Ireland with his family. And he died in St Vincent's Hospital in Dublin from complications caused by COVID-19. The thoughts of everyone at Arsenal FC are with Dave's family and friends at this time. Arsenal Academy, young gun Daniel Ballard, around the academy. Season's early end. Stats and facts. Final figures. Young gun Daniel Ballard talking to Aidan Small. The basics. Born Stevenage, twenty second of September nineteen ninety nine. Joined Arsenal. Aged eight. Height and weight. Eighty three kilograms. Six foot two inches. Position. Centre back. School. Marriott School. Stevenage. Back in November, I was actually doing a course in financial trading, and I was regularly looking at the stock markets. And this was when the first few coronavirus cases were being reported online. 
I just remember all the teachers telling us that it isn't going to affect the market or have a massive impact on everything. And that was my first introduction to coronavirus. Obviously from there it became increasingly serious and started to travel all around the world. And when I first started to hear about cases in England, I sort of didn't believe it, almost thinking it may only affect a handful of people. But what happened after that was pretty unexpected for a lot of people, I think. I remember I'd just come back from injury and played my first game for nearly seven months. And I played really well, so I was buzzing to get going again. We actually had Spurs coming up on the Friday, and I couldn't wait to be involved, but then it was called off on the day, and that was really frustrating for me. I'd been out for so long, and I felt like I was finally getting into my flow, but little did any of us really know at the time how long this would go on for. To be fair, because of all those months I spent doing rehab on my own whilst I was injured, it hasn't been as hard for me during lockdown. The training we've been set has been quite similar to what I've been doing for quite some time now, so I was able to get my head down and focus. Obviously it's been killing me not being able to play, especially after such an injury, but I've been keeping myself really busy. Every day I've been doing one gym session, one pitch session, and whenever I get the chance, I've been going down to my local park too, just to clear the mind a little bit and put myself in a new environment. On the last day before lockdown, I was actually really lucky and managed to buy some gym equipment off a guy from Facebook. And that's still the only equipment I've been able to get. So I'm glad I jumped on that bargain. But since then, I've been called into training with the first team. And that's been incredible to get some normality back into my life. It's reminded me just how good the pitches are at Colney after playing on the bumpy surface at my local park too. Spending all this time in lockdown has really made me realise what makes me happy in life and what really matters, and I think that's been the case for a lot of people, to be honest. If you're lucky enough to be surrounded by family as I've been, then it's been really nice to just spend some more time with them and slow down. I never thought I'd enjoy dog walks so much. I find myself going out for an hour and almost basing my whole day around that walk. It's also allowed me to focus on some of my other passions. After completing my financial trading course in lockdown, I've since been studying my level 2 and level 3 to become a personal trainer. After doing so many gym sessions by myself and receiving loads of messages and questions from family members and friends about keeping fit, I thought I'd use this time wisely and try and help a few people out. So I created an Instagram page that's all about fitness and easy home workouts. It's had a really good response so far, so if you want to give it a follow, head to at fitnessfgb. These are just a couple of things that would have been really difficult to do if I was playing football week in, week out. So it's been nice to focus on myself. As for my goals over this summer and the 2020-2021 stroke season, not many players throughout the leagues have had the privilege of training for as long as we have, so I've probably got a month extra on a lot of teams, and there are probably some players who aren't even training now in the lower leagues. I'm using this time to focus and get strong for the new season. I want to go out there and impress and hopefully force myself into the first team. The dream is to play for Arsenal. Daniel Ballard, the lowdown, earliest memory of football. 
playing for my first youth team, Fairlands Youth, playing indoor tournaments especially. Who got me into football? My family have always been big football fans, so I grew up with it. First footballer I looked up to, John Terry. Team I supported growing up, Chelsea. Biggest influence, Kwame Ampadu. Best goal I've scored, overhead kick for my friend's team, Biggleswade, when I was released from Arsenal. Who I combined best with, Toby Omole. Best moment of my career so far, being a part of the Northern Ireland squad for the Euro qualifiers. Sing one song to save my life. Mario, let me love you. About me. Favourite footballer of all time. John Terry. Favourite follow on Instagram. Cristiano Ronaldo. Player I look up to the most. David Luiz. Best footballing attribute. Heading. If I wasn't a footballer, I would be a financial trader. Favourite training drill. Small-sided games. One thing I want to do in Korea. Play for Northern Ireland. Ideal cheat meal. Wagamamas. Best thing about Arsenal. Best coaches and great environment to learn and improve. Around the academy. Who will definitely make it. Bukeo Saka. Best touch. Matt Smith. Most committed. Me. Would be best manager. James Hilson. Strongest. Joseph Olowu. Captain material, me. Funniest, Toby Omole. Who's got a hidden talent? Toby Omole, singing. Rate yourself, pace, 5 out of 10. Dribbling, 4 out of 10. Passing, 5 out of 10. Shooting, 5 out of 10. Defending, 8 out of 10. Physical, 8 out of 10. Academy News. 2019 stroke 20 academy season cancelled. Back in early May, it was confirmed that the Premier League had unanimously agreed to curtail the academy games programme for the 2019 stroke 20 season. The curtailment meant that all games for teams from under 9 to under 16 were called off, as well as under 18 and under 23 competitions, as shareholders looked to provide clarity for staff and players. At the time of this decision, our under-23s found themselves six in the Premier League tube table, having picked up six wins and seven draws from 18 fixtures. With four games still to play, Steve Bullside could have finished as high as second. Under the guidance of Ken Gillard, our under-18s finished 2019-20 in ninth place, with four wins and five draws from 16 outings. A strong end to the season could have seen us finish as high as fourth. Four young gunners nominated for Golden Boy Award. Congratulations to Bukeo Saka and Trey Coyle, who have been nominated for the prestigious Golden Boy Award for 2020. Saka has made an incredible impact with the first team this season, showing his versatility in a number of positions, while Coyle has been a regular starter for our under-23s, featuring in 15 PL2 fixtures. Saka made his first team debut back in November 2018, but he's since kicked on and proved himself to be a valuable asset, scoring three and assisting nine in 31 fixtures. Completing the list of Arsenal nominees is Gabriel Martinelli and William Saliba, 
Back in January, Gabby became the first Arsenal teenager since Nicholas Anelka to score 10 goals or more in a season across all competitions, while Saliba has greatly impressed during his season-long loan spell with Saint-Étienne. Cesc Fabregas, who won the award in 2006, is the only player to have received the prize while at Arsenal. Breakdown. Reserves and youths. Under-23, Premier League 2, results 2019-20. stroke Monday, August the 12th, away, Blackburn Rovers, 3-1. Friday, August the 16th, home, Brighton and Hove Albion, 2-1. Friday, August the 23rd, home, Everton, 2-2. Friday, August the 30th, away, Derby County, 2-2. Saturday, September the 14th, home, Leicester City, 2-1. Friday, September the 20th, away, Wolverhampton Wanderers, 2-2. Saturday, September 28th, home, Liverpool, 2-2. Friday, October the 18th, away, Chelsea, 1-3. Saturday, October 26th, away, Manchester City, 12pm, 1-1. Friday, November 1st, away, Tottenham Hotspur, 3-1. Saturday, November 23rd, Home, Southampton, 1-0. Friday, December the 6th. Home, Blackburn Rovers, 3-1. Friday, December 13th. Away, Brighton and Hove Albion, 0-1. Friday, January the 3rd. Home, Derby County, 2-2. Monday, January the 13th. Away, Everton, 3-3. Saturday, February 1st. Away, Liverpool, 0-3. Monday, February 17th, home, Chelsea, 1-2. Friday, February 28th, home, Manchester City, 2-4. Friday, 13th of March, home, Tottenham Hotspur, postponed. Monday, April the 6th, away, Southampton, postponed. Friday, April 17th, away, Leicester City, postponed. Friday, May 1st, home, Wolverhampton Wanderers, postponed. Premier League International Cup fixtures 2019 stroke 20, 7 pm kickoff. Wednesday, November 27th, home, Villarreal, 3 0. Tuesday, December 17th, home, Dynamo Zagreb, 3 2. Friday, January 17th, home, Leicester City, 3 0. Tuesday, March 3rd, home, Monaco, 4 3. Premier League 2, Division 1, Final League Table, 2019, Stroke 20. Chelsea, played 18, won 10, drawn 8, lost 0, 4, 34, against 20, goal difference 14, points 38. Leicester City, played 18, won 10, drawn 5, lost 3, 4, 36, against 21, goal difference 15, points 35. Brighton and Hove Albion played 18, won 10, drawn 1, lost 7, 4.36 against 26, goal difference 10, points 31. Derby County played 18, won 7, drawn 6, lost 5, 4.33 against 32, goal difference 1, points 27. Liverpool played 17, won 7, drawn 5, lost 5, 4-34 against 34, goal difference 0, points 26. 
Arsenal played 18, won 6, drawn 7, lost 5, 4.32, against 32, goal difference 0, points 25. Everton played 18, won 5, drawn 7, lost 6, 4.32, against 33, goal difference minus 1, points 22. Manchester City played 18, won 6, drawn 3, lost 9, 4.30, against 29, goal difference 1, points 21. Blackburn Rovers played 17, won 6, drawn 3, lost 8, 4.27, against 26, goal difference 1, points 21. Tottenham Hotspur played 18, won 6, drawn 3, lost 9, 4.31, against 34, goal difference minus 3, points 21. Southampton played 18, won 4, drawn 3, lost 11, 4.23, against 47, goal difference 24, points 15. Wolves played 18, won 2, drawn 5, lost 11, 4.21 against 35, goal difference minus 14, points 11. Under 18, Premier League South results, 2019 stroke 20. Saturday, August 10th, home, Chelsea, 1-2. Saturday, August 17th, away, Aston Villa, 5-1. Saturday, August 24th, away, West Ham, 1-1. Saturday, August 31st, home, Southampton, 0-1. Saturday, September 14th, away, Leicester City, 0-1. Saturday, September 21st, home, Brighton and Hove Albion, 12pm, 3-6. Saturday, September 28th, away, Wolves, under-18, League Cup, 3-0. Saturday, October 5th, away, Reading, 1-0. Saturday, October 19th, home, Tottenham Hotspur, 2-2. Saturday, October 26th, home, Blackburn, under-18, League Cup, 2-3. Saturday, November 9th, away, Fulham, 2-2. Saturday, November 23rd, home, Chelsea, under-18, League Cup, 1-2. Wednesday, December the 18th, away, Cheltenham Town, FA Youth Cup, 0-0. One penalty shootout. Saturday, January the 4th, away, Chelsea, 2-2. Thursday, January the 9th, home, Southampton, FA Youth Cup, 1-0. Saturday, January the 18th, away, Southampton, 2-0. Saturday, January 25th, home, Aston Villa, 1-2. Saturday, February 1st, home, West Ham United, 1-5. Thursday, February the 6th, home, Brighton and Hove Albion, FA Youth Cup 4-3. Wednesday, February 12th, away, Norwich City, 2-2. Saturday, February 22nd, home, Leicester City, 10.30am, 2-5. Friday, February 29th, away, Brighton and Hove Albion, 12pm, 3-2. Friday, March 6th, away, Blackburn, FA Youth Cup quarter-final, 1-4. Saturday, March 14th, home, Reading, postponed. Saturday, March 21st, away, Tottenham Hotspur, postponed. Saturday, April 4th, home, Fulham, postponed. Saturday, April 18th, away, Swansea City, postponed. 
Saturday, April 25th, home, Norwich City, postponed. To be arranged, home, Swansea City, postponed. Leasing.com, trophy, fixtures, 2019, stroke 20. Tuesday, August 27th, away, Northampton Town, 1-1, lost penalty shootout. Tuesday, October 1st, away, Peterborough United, 0-1. Tuesday, November 5th, away, Cambridge United, 1-1, one penalty shootout. Premier League, under 18, final league table, South, 2019, stroke 20. Fulham played 17, won 12, drawn 4, lost 1, 4.53, against 24, goal difference 29, points 40. West Ham United played 17, won 11, drawn 4, lost 2, 4.21, against 28, goal difference 23, points 37. Chelsea played 16, won 11, drawn 3, lost 2, 4.44 against 21, goal difference 23, points 36. Leicester City played 18, won 8, drawn 3, lost 7, 4.44 against 35, goal difference 9, points 27. Tottenham Hotspur played 17, won 8, drawn 2, lost 7, 4.43 against 33, goal difference 10, Points 26. Brighton and Hove Albion played 17, won 7, drawn 3, lost 7, 4.30 against 33, goal difference minus 3, points 24. Aston Villa played 17, won 6, drawn 4, lost 7, 4.33 against 37, goal difference minus 4, points 22. Southampton Played 18, won 6, drawn 1, lost 11, 4.27 against 40, goal difference minus 13, points 19. Arsenal played 16, won 4, drawn 5, lost 7, 4.28 against 34, goal difference minus 6, points 17. Reading played 16, won 4, Drawn 3, lost 9, 4.25 against 34, goal difference minus 9, points 15. Norwich City, played 16, won 1, drawn 8, lost 7, 4.32 against 48, goal difference minus 16, points 11. Swansea City, played 15, won 1, drawn 2, lost 12, 4.20 against 63, goal difference minus 43, points 5. Breakdown, final appearances 2019 stroke 20. Premier League 2, EFL Trophy, under 18s and FA Youth Cup appearances and goals. Player, Trey Coyle, Premier League 2, 15 appearances, 2 goals. EFL Trophy, 1 plus 1. Under 18, none. FA Youth Cup, none. PLIC, 3, 1 goal. Total, 19 plus 1, 3 goals. Falarin Belogan, Premier League 2, 13 plus 2, 10 goals. EFLT, 1. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. 
PLIC 2 plus 1, 3 goals. Total 16 plus 3, 13 goals. Nathan Tormey, PL2, 13 plus 2, 4 goals. EFLT, 3. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 3, 1 goal. Total 19 plus 2, 5 goals. Zach Swanson, PL2, 13 plus 1. EFLT, 2. Under 18s, none. FAYC, None. PLIC. Two. Total. Seventeen plus one. Robbie Burton. PL two. Thirteen. Three goals. EFLT. Two plus one. Under eighteens. None. FAYC. None. PLIC. Three. One goal. Total. Eighteen plus one. Four goals. Harry Clark. PL two. Twelve plus three. EFLT. 2. Under 18s. None. FAYC. None. PLIC. 3. Total. 17 plus 3. Matt Smith. PL2. 12. 1 goal. EFLT. 2. Under 18s. None. FAYC. None. PLIC. 4. Total. 18. 1 goal. Talaji Bola. PL2. 12. EFLT. 2. Under 18s. None. FAYC. None. PLIC. 3. Total. 17. Carl Hein. PL2. 11. EFLT. None. Under 18s. 2. FAYC. None. PLIC. 4. Total. 17. Tyrese John Jules. PL2. 10 plus 2, 5 goals. EFLT, 1, 1 goal. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 2, 2 goals. Total, 13 plus 2, 8 goals. Jordan McEniff, PL2, 8 plus 6. EFLT, 1 plus 1. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 1 plus 1, total, 10 plus 8. Dinos Mavropanos, PL2, 8. EFLT, 2, under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 1, total, 11. Zek Maidley, PL2, 7 plus 2, 1 goal. EFLT, 2. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 3 plus 1, 2 goals. Total, 12 plus 3, 3 goals. Ben Cotterell, PL2, 6 plus 4, 1 goal. EFLT, 1 plus 1. Under 18s, 8, 4 goals. FAYC, 4. PLIC, 1 plus 2. Total, 20 plus 7, 5 goals. Emile Smith-Rowe, PL2, 6, 1 goal. EFLT, 1. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 2, 1 goal. Total, 8, 2 goals. Joseph Alowu, PL2, 5 plus 4, 1 goal. EFLT, 2. Under 18s, none. 
FAYC, none. PLIC, 1 plus 1. Total, 8 plus 5, 1 goal. James Olyinka, PL2, 5 plus 1, 1 goal. EFLT, 2, 1 goal. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 2 plus 1, 2 goals. Total, 9 plus 2, 4 goals. Matt Macy, PL2, 5. EFLT, 3. Under 18s, none. PAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 8. Toby Omule, PL2, 4 plus 3. EFLT, 1 plus 1. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 1 plus 1. Total, 6 plus 5. Rob Holding, PL2, 4 plus 1. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 4 plus 1. Mark McGuinness, PL2, 2 plus 1. EFLT, 1. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, 1. Total, 4 plus 1. James Hilson, PL2, 2. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 2. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 4. Hector Bellerin, PL2, 2. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 2. Pablo Mari, EFL2, 2. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 2. Sam Greenwood, PL2, 1 plus 4, 1 goal. EFLT, 1 plus 1. Under 18s, 12 plus 1, 3 goals. FAYC, 4, 2 goals. PLIC, 1. Total, 19 plus 6, 6 goals. Mazid Ogungbo, PL2, 1 plus 1. EFLT, plus 1. Under 18s, 18, 1 goal. FAYC, 4, 1 goal. PLIC, none. Total, 23 plus 2, 2 goals. Miguel Aziz, PL2, 1 plus 1. EFLT, plus 1. Under 18s, 14 plus 1, 1 goal. FAYC, 2, 1 goal. PLIC, 1. Total, 18 plus 3, 2 goals. Reese Nelson, PL2, 1 plus 1. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 1 plus 1. Joel Lopez, PL2, 1. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 12. FAYC, 2. PLIC, none. Total, 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, PL2, 1. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 1. Bukeo Saka, PL2, 1. EFLT, none. 
under-18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, one. Kieran Tierney, PL2, one. EFLT, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, one. Matthew Dennis, PL2, plus one. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 11 plus 4, 1 goal. FAYC, 1 plus 2, 1 goal. PLIC, none, total, 12 plus 7, 2 goals. Ryan Alebiusu, PL2, plus 1. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 13 plus 1. FAYC, 3. PLIC, plus 1. Total, 16 plus 3. Nathan Butler Oyeji PL2 None EFLT Plus 1 Under 18s 12 plus 3 3 goals FAYC 2 PLIC None Total 14 plus 4 3 goals Hubert Gradzik PL2 None EFLT None Under 18s 15 FAYC 4 PLIC None Total, 19. Daniel Oyeguke, PL2, none. EFL2, none. Under-18s, 14, two goals. FAYC, four. PLIC, one plus one. Total, 19 plus one, two goals. Catalin Sirjan, PL2, none. EFL2, none. Under-18s, 13 plus 5, 5 goals. FAYC, 1 plus 3. PLIC, none. Total, 17. Alex Kirk, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 13. FAYC, 4. PLIC, none. Total, 17. Alfie Matthews, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 12 plus 6, 6 goals. FAYC, 2 plus 1. PLIC, none. Total, 14 plus 7, 6 goals. Charlie Patino, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 9 plus 3. FAYC, 3 plus 1. PLIC, none. Total, 12 plus 4. Kido Taylor-Hart, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 8 plus 3, 1 goal. FAYC, 1. PLIC, none. Total, 9 plus 3, 1 goal. Zane Monlui, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 8 plus 2, 2 goals. FAYC, 2. PLIC, none. Total, 10 plus 2, 2 goals. Luke Plonger, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 5 plus 8, 3 goals. FAYC, plus 3. PLIC, none. Total, 5 plus 11, 3 goals. Jason Straha, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under-18s, 2 plus 4. FAYC, none. P 
PLIC, none. Total, 2 plus 4. KN Edwards, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 2 plus 1. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 2 plus 1. Levi Leng, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 1 plus 4. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 1 plus 4. Marcello Flores, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 1 plus 3. FAYC, plus 2. PLIC, none. Total, 1 plus 5. Zach Arwe, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 1 plus 1. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, 1 plus 1. Mauro Bandera, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 1 plus 1. FAYC, 1. PLIC, none. Total, 2 plus 1. Malcolm Ebiowe, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, plus 1. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, plus 1. Henry Jeffcott, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, plus 1. FAYC, none. PLIC, none. Total, plus 1. Taylor Foran, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, plus 1. PLIC, none. Total, plus 1. Daniel Ballard, PL2, none. EFLT, none. Under 18s, none. FAYC, none. PLIC, plus 1. Total, plus 1. Own goals. PL2, 1. EFLT, none. Under 18s, 2. FAYC, 1. PLIC, none. Total, 4. Match Report West Ham United Premier League Match Day 28 3pm Saturday March the 7th Emirates Stadium Arsenal 1 West Ham 0 The scorer for Arsenal was Lacazette in the 78th minute Playing for Arsenal were 1 Leno 5 Socrates 22 Murray 23 23 David Lewis 77 Saka 8 Ceballos, 10, Ozil, who was substituted in the 89th minute, 34, Shaka, 19, Pepe, who was substituted in the 69th minute, 30, Nketia, who was substituted in the 59th minute, and 14, Aubameyang. Substitutes were Martinez, Bellerin, who came on in the 89th minute, Woolock, Ganduzi, Lacazette, who came on in the 59th minute, Nelson, who came on in the 69th minute, and Martinelli. Playing for West Ham United were 1. Fabianski, 3. Craswell, 21. Ogbana, 23. Diop, 52. Ngakia, 16. Noble, 
who was substituted in the 81st minute, 18 Fornals, who was substituted in the 87th minute, 30 Antonio, 41 Rice, 17 Bowen, who was substituted in the 89th minute, and 22 Haller. Substitutes were Randolph, Balbuena, Zabalata, Anderson, who came on in the 87th minute, Lanzini, Snodgrass, who came on in the 89th minute, and Sujak, who came on in the 81st minute. Arsenal man of the match was Ben Leno. First half. The opening 45 minutes was light on action, with neither side looking particularly inspired. Jared Byrne hit the post for the visitors with a low shot that Bernd Leno just about got something on to deflect onto the frame of the goal, while Mesut Ozil had our best chance, but his shot was charged down. We enjoyed most of the possession, but the Hammers came closest to opening the scoring. Mikhail Antonio and Sebastian Haller contrived to spurn a glorious opening, and Antonio then missed from close range. Second half. A moment of invention by Bukayo Osaka carved out our first chance of the second half for Eddie Nketia, but former gunner Lukas Fabianski was out quickly to smother the shot. Antonio again found himself unmarked in the box, but Leno came up with a big save to keep out his header. Alexandre Lacazette was introduced, and it was the substitute who broke the deadlock, smashing home from Ozil's header cross but he was made to wait to celebrate his seventh of the season while VAR overturned the original offside decision against Ozil. Match stats. Total shots, Arsenal 9, West Ham 14. Shots on target, Arsenal 2, West Ham 6. Corners, Arsenal 6, West Ham 7. Offsides, Arsenal 2, West Ham 2. Fouls, Arsenal 11, West Ham 9. Possession, Arsenal 69%, West Ham 31%. There are three photographs with this report, apart from Man of the Match Bant Leno next to the scoreline. The captions are Alexandre Lacazette with a crucial late winner. Bucky Osaka holds off Jared Byrne. Celebrating a hard-fought derby victory. Culture Club. Over the decades, Arsenal have had a big influence on popular culture. Historian John Sperling looks at the Gunners' unique impact off the pitch. When Chelsea were drawn at home to the double-chasing Arsenal in a tasty-looking FA Cup quarter-final in March 1973, the Blues informed the Gunners that due to the construction of their new East stand, the crowd for the showpiece match would be limited to 40,000. Keen to ensure that few Arsenal fans travelled to Stamford Bridge as possible, Chelsea approached the Football Association to ask special permission for the game to be screamed in the clutch of Odeon cinemas within an eight-mile radius of North Five. Both clubs lobbied the FA for screenings to go ahead, and the FA agreed on the proviso that it was merely an experiment. 
Several Gunners stars had played their part in the last football screening experiment that the club had been involved with. That was in November 1967. Arsenal's thrilling League Cup quarter-final with Burnley was shown on pay-per-view television. A smattering of N5 and Lancashire residents had their black-and-white TV sets fitted with slot boxes, which allowed the transmission of the non-terrestrial content in exchange for a few shillings. The three-all draw with Burnley was indeed a cracker, but the viewing figures were so low that the whole PPV exercise was shelved. In 1971, the Arsenal board had mooted the possibility of broadcasting the dramatic White Hart Lane showdown with arch-rivals Tottenham on close-circuit TV at Highbury. The Football League, wary of broadcasting live games, refused. In the event, around 50,000 fans were locked out of the lane as Arsenal completed the first leg of their historic double. In 73, once Chelsea and Arsenal had been given the green light by the FA, the Blues approached boxing improvisario Jarvis Astaire, who promoted and introduced boxing at cinemas to handle the technical side of the affairs. It still remains something of the mystery of how the whole thing worked. In 2015, Odeon Head of Communications Simon Soffie explained, I've yet to find out how they screened it. We found one person who started with us in 1971 and he was gutted that he couldn't remember the match in 1973. It wasn't via satellite. I'm assuming it was something to do with a regular television signal. The FA have nothing on file about the whole cinema experiment and the police presence at the cinema was minimal. Perhaps understandable given the Arsenal fans more of a less exclusively attended the cinemas. Gunners supporter Chris Hudson attended the screening at the Rainbow Theatre, having recently changed its name from the Finsbury Park Astoria, which stands on the junction of Islington Road and Seven Sisters Road. I was 14 at the time and had a great experience, he explained. There are a lot of snaking queues outside the cinema and I remember match programmes being sold as we went in. The atmosphere was fantastic. With Arsenal fans jumping up and down throughout the game, it really was a memorable afternoon. The game was a core cut truly worthy of a viewing on the silver screen. Blue Stars' Peter Oscar's spectacular volleyed opener only players like Oxford's take goals like that. Boomed commentators David Coleman was voted goal of the season by BBC's Match of the Day viewers. The Gunners fought back before half-time with Alan Ball heading on a George Armstrong corner and Charlie George poking home the second attempt to defending Roars from the away contingent. After a desperate scramble in the Chelsea penalty area to put Arsenal 2-1 ahead, John Hollis then cracked home at the Chelsea equaliser in the second half to give his side a 2-2 draw. Gunners fan Tom Badger watched the match at the Dawson Odeon. And in pre-health and safety era, when Arsenal took the lead, he took a tumble. I was absolutely mad on Charlie George. We were upstairs in the circle, right at the front when Charlie scored. I jumped up, stood on the front rail, lost my balance. Badger, who attended the event with his dad and granddad, the last time all three generations watched the Arsenal game together, fell 15 feet, but luckily unharmed. Dad and granddad just laughed at me. They were too busy enjoying the fact that Charlie had scored. 
Jarvis Astaire reckoned the closed circuit screenings added around 10,000 to the gate, but ironically, the attendance at Stamford Bridge fell around 2,500 short of capacity, in part due to the Gunners' hordes in the packed-out Odeons. Three days later, Arsenal hosted Chelsea in the Highbury replay in front of a baying 62,746 ground. Sports Night viewers saw goals from Alan Ball from the penalty spot and Ray Kennedy steer the Gunners into the semi-final where Bernie Mee's men surprisingly lost to second division Sunderland. Cinemas concerned about the prospects of rival fans mixing at their establishment showed no enthusiasm to screening future football matches and so the titanic FA Cup quarter-final between Chelsea and Arsenal remained a fascinated one-off in the history of the football on TV in the 1970s. At home with Matteo Genduzzi. Players tell us about how their family life influenced their football careers. Tell us about your family, Matteo. Who did you grow up with? I'm one of eight siblings. I have a younger brother, Milan, who plays for Troyes. He's two years younger than me. My younger sister is a year younger than me, and she's at school. My older brothers and sisters are much older and already have their own children. My younger brother, sister and I are a similar age, with just a year or two between us. Then the others are older. I now also have six nieces and nephews. Who was in the family home when you were growing up? As they're much older, I mostly grew up with my younger brother and sister. As we are similar ages, we were always together. When I was younger, my parents were together, but they're no longer together now. Tell us about the house you grew up in. Did you have a garden for football? We played lots of football in the garden. My sister didn't play much football, but we all did lots of karate as well. Do you remember any family holidays from your childhood? Yes, we would all go together and the best holidays were spent on the beach in Corsica. Did you have any family pets? No, we never had any pets at home. What kind of music did you associate with family life? There wasn't anything in particular. We listened to a bit of everything. Which movies or books do you remember from your childhood? I liked comics, such as Le Petit Oeuf, Les Foot Furieux. Other than football, what other sports were the family interested in? Karate. We would play football and do karate almost every day. My father is a karate teacher. Other than sport, was there anything you would do with all of your family? Outdoors or trips to the cinema, maybe? No, it really was just football and karate all the time. What games do you associate with your family? We played all sorts of games. Monopoly, Uno, card games, board games. And I'm pretty good at them. If you think about sitting down to a favourite family meal, what would it be? We'd eat a bit of everything. 
When we went to my father's side of the family, it would be Moroccan cuisine, but we ate everything at home. Where would you go out for special occasions or meals? No, we would still eat at home as a family. Was there a phrase or maybe some advice that a member of your family always said to you? From both my parents, keep your values. What are your first memories of playing football with your family? I remember playing with my father and older brother in the garden, my younger brother as well. The first match I played for was Paris Saint-Germain when I was five or six. It went well. My parents and younger sister were there, but I can't remember if we won. It was so long ago. Does everyone in your family love football? Yes, everyone loves it. My father, mother, younger brother and younger sister are the ones who love it the most, just like me. Did a family member ever tell you off for playing football when you were younger? Yes. We used to play futsal in a gym where we weren't allowed to play. We had a key because I was friends with the gym owner's son and we'd go to play futsal with some other mates. We got caught one day when someone came in one day to see what was going on and we just kept playing. Which football team do your family support? The family supports me, so the club I'm playing for. When I was little, they wanted me to play for PSG and really liked the club. Now I'm at Arsenal, they support Arsenal. They follow everything I do. During which period of your footballing life do you think it was most difficult for your family? Leaving when I was young to join the Lorient Academy. I was far away from the family during the week. I was there from the age of 13 to 15 and would only see my family on the weekend. They would come to Lorient a lot, but it's a long way from Paris as it's in Brittany. Which members of your family used to watch you most when you played as a youngster and who still regularly comes to see you play? My parents, and they still do. They come to plenty of games. When we play at home, they're often there. But as they all work, it's tough. But my parents, younger brother and younger sister are able to come the most. My grandparents watched me in France as well, but not in London. How has being a footballer allowed you to help your family? Of course, I've been able to help my family financially. They've always been there for me, so it's normal for me to help them now. During my childhood, they looked after me, dressed me and fed me. They did everything for me to get to where I am today. So now I can give something back to them, make them happy and do lots of things for them. Official Notice Board. Make birthdays, weddings and welcomes Arsenal official. Arsenal celebrates. Happy birthday, John Chandler. From all your family, 84 years young, lifelong gooner. John Connolly. Congratulations on your 60th. Best husband, son and brother. Enjoy your day. Love Deb's mum and Anne. Happy 50th birthday, Harvey Bierer, a.k.a. Slack Gooner. Love Debbie, a.k.a. wife. Kiss, kiss, kiss. 
Happy 18th birthday, Nicholas, and 20th birthday, Leon. Love, Craig and Mama. Happy 1st birthday, Wilfred Poulton. Love, Mom, Dad and Family. Wishing Dennis Ratcliffe a very happy 90th birthday. Love, Andy, Laura and Reuben. Celebrating 10 years of independence, thanks to Mittens. Wishing a very belated happy birthday to Stuart Hassler. Congratulations, Stephen Smith and Heather Thomas, on the birth of their gorgeous son, Albie, on February 20th, 2020. Love, Mam, Rhiannon, Mark and Mabel. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 50th birthday, Lucy Gratton. Love from your friends and family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 50th birthday, James McPherson. From Gordon and William, love the Blues Brothers, all the ladies and Winston. Happy birthday, Adam, a gooner from the age of five and still wearing his shirt 20 years later. Now with three daughters, all dressed in red. Happy 80th birthday, Gary Bassett, celebrating 70 years as a loyal gooner. Love and congratulations from all your family. Paul and Denise Grant, happy 31st wedding anniversary on May the 6th, 2020. Happy 16th birthday, David Jessup. Hope you had a great day. Love Dad, Mum, Sophie and Connie. Hello to father and sons, Victor, Gianni and Marco, who should have been visiting Emirates Stadium for the first time, from Stephen. Syrah, hope you had a fantastic birthday. Love H. Belated. Happy belated first birthday to Idris Hassam and happy 38th birthday to his Guna Papa, Shezad. Paul Harney, happy 30th wedding anniversary, love from your real-life Pearl, Nod. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Arsenal remembers Paul Lenger, fanatical supporter for 60 years who set up the Jerusalem Arsenal Supporters Branch when he moved there nearly 40 years ago. A most treasured possession was a recent photo with Mikel Arteta. Deepest sympathies to brother Aidan, son Nadav, family and friends. David Hughes, January 27th, 1960 to February 14th, 2020. Lifelong fan and season ticket holder for many years. He will be greatly missed by his family and friends. Michael Colin Walton, passed away February 16th, 2020. An avid fan supporting Arsenal for most of his near 80 years. Last year he managed a short walk for Myeloma UK walking event. Sadly missed. Terry Tell Chapel, March 2nd, 2020, aged 78 years. Dear friend, loyal fan and season ticket holder for 40 years. Missed by wife Carol, daughter Maxine and son Tony. Remembered by the boys in blocks 13 and 16 who have been at matches with Tell for years. R.I.P. Tell. Gone but not forgotten. Cyan Meredith, a wife, mother, sister, auntie, friend and community angel. A lifelong Arsenal fan who was loved by everyone she touched. A real superstar. Until we meet again. Kiss, kiss, kiss. The Arsenal Foundation. Totalizer. £1,835. Notices are free. However, we do recommend a £10 donation to the Arsenal Foundation, supporting young people in North London and globally. A donation of £25 secures a unique personalised matchday programme. 
It's £50 for a message in the highlighted section and a personalised version. Send to Notice Board, Highbury House, 75, Drayton Park, London, N51BU. Email noticeboard at arsenal.co.uk or call 020-7704-4130. Arsenal Women The domestic season is over, but we still have European action to look forward to. Arsenal finished third. Back on May the 25th, the FA confirmed that the 2019-20 FAWSL season would end with immediate effect due to the coronavirus outbreak. Within their statement to the clubs they confirmed, following overwhelming feedback from the clubs, the decision to bring an end to the 2019-20 season was made in the best interest of the women's game. This will also enable clubs the FA Women's Super League and Women's Championship Board and the FA to plan, prepare and focus on next season when football returns for the 2020-21 campaign. The Gunners therefore finished the season in third position. It was a bitter pill for Joe Montemoro's team to swallow as they were only four points off top-placed Manchester City with the game in hand though Chelsea were ultimately awarded the title due to a better points-per-game average. City, though, claimed the Champions League spot in second. It was a little expected, said Montemoreau, and I was a little bit relieved too. We needed a decision, and we needed to put closure on where we were heading for a lot of reasons and anxiety problems, but also to make sure that we can plan and prepare accordingly. I think it's the right decision, and I think that now we have closure, we can all move on and prepare. Thanks, and good luck. Arsenal women were sad to say goodbye to three players at the end of the domestic season. Katrine Verger headed to Swedish side FC Rosengard after 18 months with the Gunners, during which the Danish international made 16 appearances. Goalkeeper Pauline Perud-Magnin has left the club, following the conclusion of her contract. The France international played 26 times for us across all competitions and, like Cat, was a WSL winner last season. Finally, central defender Louise Quinn has also moved to Pastures New following the end of her contract. Louise joined us in May 2017 and the powerful Irish international was a mainstay of the defence as we won the Continental Tyres Cup in 2018 and the WSL the following season. In all, Louise played 76 times for the club, scoring seven goals. We would like to thank all three players for their excellent service to Arsenal Football Club and wish them all the very best in the future. Lockdown life. During the heart of lockdown, Prior to any training being possible in an organised setting at the Arsenal Training Centre, Arsenal women were ensuring they kept in outstanding physical condition. Club photographer David Price was on hand at the correct distance to document some of the players making sure they were ready to hit the ground running when they returned to London County. And there is a photograph of Danielle van der Donk and Beth Mead training together at Clarence Park in St Albans.
Women's Champions League to be completed. Arsenal's WSL season may have finished, but we are very much still in the mix in the biggest competition of all, the UEFA Women's Champions League. UEFA have announced that all remaining fixtures will be played as an eight-team straight knockout tournament at the San Mame Stadium in Bilbao and the Anita Stadium in San Sebastian. The quarterfinals will be played on August the 21st and 22nd and the semi-finals August 25th and 26th. The final will take place in San Sebastian on August the 30th. All games will kick off at 8pm. Quarterfinals August 21st to 22nd. Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona. Lyon versus Bayern Munich. Glasgow City versus Wolfsburg. Arsenal versus Paris Saint-Germain. Semi-finals August 25th 26th. Arsenal PSG versus Lyon or Bayern. Glasgow or Wolfsburg versus Atletico or Barcelona. Final August the 30th. Anita Stadium, San Sebastian. WSL Final Table 2019-20 First four positions Manchester City played 16, won 13, drawn 1, lost 2 Goal difference 30 points, 40 Chelsea played 15, won 12, drawn 3, lost 0 Goal difference 36 points, 39 Arsenal Played 15, won 12, drawn 0, lost 3, goal difference 27 points, 36. Manchester United played 14, won 7, drawn 2, lost 5, goal difference 12 points, 23. Premier League, match day 30, 3pm kickoff, Saturday, June the 20th at the Amex Stadium. Brighton and Hove Albion 2, Arsenal 1. The first half. Once again, we found this going tough behind closed doors, but the game suddenly burst into life when Saka, playing in an unfamiliar central midfield role, smacked the crossbar from just outside the area. The teenager then set up a decent chance for Alexandre Lacazette as a far post, but the Frenchman had his header well saved low down. We continue to look like the most likely to open the scoring, but the half ended under a cloud when Bernd Lino was stretched from the field after landed awkwardly from a Neil Mupe push. In the second half, we continue to probe away at the home defence after the break, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang did have the ball in the Brighton net, but it was flagged for offside. It was down to Nicolas Pepe to break the deadlock with a moment of magic, superbly curbing home the 20 yards from the corner, but then the tide turned. We failed to clear lines from the corner, allowing Lewis Dunk to stab home a scruffy goal from close range before Mupe sealed all three points in injury time beating M.A. Montuinez in a one-to-one. Match stats, Brighton 9 shots on goal, Arsenal 13. Shots on target, Brighton 5, Arsenal 6. 10 corners for Brighton, 7 for Arsenal. 
No offsides for Brighton. Four offsides for Arsenal. 13 fouls were scored against Brighton, whereas eight were for Arsenal. Brighton had 41% of the possession and Arsenal had 59 Visitors Norwich City As the Premier League extends into July for the first time ever, Norwich City will be hoping that this is not their last month in the top flight for a while. Championship winners in 2018-19, the Canaries have struggled to make headway on their return to elite level after three seasons away. But hope springs eternal, as Daniel Farker and his players enter the final furlong of the season, with today's match against Arsenal, the first of seven fixtures, that will decide which division the Pride of Norfolk will be gracing with their presence in 2020-21. While Norwich have performed reasonably well in front of their passionate, vociferous supporters, when those were permitted, at Carrow Road, claiming crucial victories there against Newcastle, 3-1, Defending champions Manchester City, 3-2, Bournemouth, 1-0, and Leicester City, 1-0. It is their repeated failure to score goals and pick up points on their travels that has made them favourites for relegation. The East Anglians have managed just one league win away from home this season, in 15 attempts, 2-0 at Everton in late November losing 11 of those matches, including the two most recent, 3-0 at Wolves in February and 1-0 at Sheffield United in March. They have not registered an away goal from open play since mid-December, when top scorer Timu Paki found the net in a 1-1 draw at Leicester. And in the six away fixtures since then, they have found the net just once, a Paki penalty at Spurs in a 2-1 defeat. Farker's men returned to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the fifth round of the FA Cup in early March and pulled off one of their most memorable wins of the season when they eliminated Spurs on penalties after a 1-1 draw, with Norwich's golden boy, Todd Cantwell, striking what proved to be the decisive spot kick to take his club into the quarter-finals of the competition for the first time in 28 years. It was the Canaries' third away win in successive rounds, having previously triumphed twice in Lancashire, 4-2 at Preston and 2-1 at Burnley. Norwich finally got a home draw for the quarter-final, and that delayed fixture against Manchester United finally took place on Saturday evening, when the Canaries succumbed to a 2-1 extra-time defeat but it was a heartening performance from Farker's men. While the FA Cup run had been an enjoyable distraction for the club, their priority throughout the campaign has been to maintain their top-flight status. This is their ninth season in the Premier League, in their fifth spell, and they will be fighting tooth and nail to defy all odds and make it into double figures in 2020-21. Norwich City Fact File Formed 1902 Nickname The Canaries Stadium Carrow Road Owners Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones
Record appearances Kevin Keelan, 673 Record goalscorer Johnny Gavin, 122 Twitter followers, 698,000 Topsy-turvy The corresponding fixture at Carrow Road this season ended in a 2-2 draw with Arsenal twice pegging back City through Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He scored from the penalty spot to equalise Timu Paki's opener. Then, after Todd Cantwell had put the Canaries ahead again on the stroke of half-time, Aubameyang pulled things level just before the hour. Top 3 Norwich's highest finish in the Premier League was third in the inaugural season. Famously, they dispatched Arsenal 4-2 at Highbury in both teams' first-ever Premier League fixture on August 15, 1992. Yellow Wall, together now. Arsenal's skipper, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, was a teammate of the Canaries' Christoph Zimmermann, Moritz Leitner and Marco Stiepermann during his time at Borussia Dortmund, when Norwich head coach Daniel Farker was also at the Bundesliga outfit. Between the posts. 1. Tim Krull, goalkeeper. Born, The Hague, Netherlands, 3rd of April 1988. Previously, Newcastle, Falkirk, Lone, Carlisle, Lone, Ajax, Lone, AZ, Lone, Brighton. A Netherlands international who made a name for himself as a penalty shootout hero against Costa Rica at the 2014 World Cup. Tim has spent the bulk of his career in England, notably at Newcastle United, to whom he was affiliated for 11 years before joining Brighton in 2017 and, a largely inactive year later, Norwich. The eccentric 32-year-old was an ever-present in the Canaries' 2018-19 championship-winning campaign and has remained number one this term. The right-back. 2. Max Ahrens, defender. Born Hammersmith, 4th of January 2000. Previously, none. A West Londoner who was voted EFL Young Player of the Year last season, as he helped Norwich to promotion as championship winners in his debut season in the first team. The 20-year-old's meteoric progress has continued this term, with a succession of impressive displays as an attacking right-back in Daniel Farker's side that have earned him both regular England under-21 representation and widespread interest from some of the Premier League's big battalions. The left-back. 12. Jamal Lewis, defender. Born, Luton, 25th of January, 1998. Previously, none. Like fellow fullback Max Ahrens, Jamal played youth football for Luton before kicking off his professional career with Norwich. He made his senior debut for the Canaries two seasons ago, before establishing himself as the club's regular left-back in their 2018-19 championship-winning campaign. Though challenged for his place this term by current injury victim Sam Byram, he scored his first Premier League goal in a 1-0 win at home to Leicester in February, and has been capped 12 times by Northern Ireland. The centre-back 
15. Tim Closer, Defender. Born, Frankfurt, Germany, 9th of May, 1988. Previously, Basel, Thun, Nuremberg, Wolfsburg. Switzerland international Tim suffered a serious ligament injury to his right knee in a Carabao Cup tie against Crawley last August and did not make his first Premier League appearance of the season until the first match after lockdown, a 3-0 home defeat by Southampton. The experienced centre-back has been a Norwich player since January 2016, when he joined midway through the Canaries' last top-flight campaign, having spent four years in the German Bundesliga with Nuremberg and Wolfsburg. Head-to-head Two thousand and nineteen to twenty Arsenal versus Norwich City Average goals per game Arsenal one point four Norwich City zero point eight Shots X blocked Arsenal two hundred and forty six Norwich City two hundred and forty seven Percentage of shots on target Arsenal forty six point seven Norwich City 47.0 Cards Arsenal Red 4 Yellow 65 Fouls Arsenal 323 Norwich City 288 Cards Norwich City Yellow 54 Red 1 Percentage goals to shots Arsenal 16.7 Norwich City, 10.1. Corner kicks, Arsenal, 185. Norwich City, 144. Average goals conceded per game, Arsenal, 1.4. Norwich City, 1.8. The boss, Daniel Farker, manager. Born, Steinhausen, Germany, October 30th, 1976. Previously, Lipstadt, 2009-15, Borussia Dortmund 2, 2015-17. Norwich broke new ground when they recruited Daniel in May 2017, making him the club's first non-British manager. Relatively unknown outside the German lower leagues, where the former striker spent his entire career as a player, it was at Lippstadt, in Germany's northwest, that he began his managerial career, remaining in charge for six seasons, three of which brought promotion. His reputation spread to Borussia Dortmund, where he had two years in charge of their second team, finishing runners-up in the 2016-17 Regionalliga West. The call from Norwich came soon afterwards, and he led the Canaries to the championship title in his second season. Number 9. This season is the Canaries' ninth in the Premier League, their longest spell being three campaigns from 1992-93 to 1994-95 and 2011-12 to 2013-14, though they had been in the old First Division for six seasons prior to the PL forming in 1992. Remember Highbury, Alex? December the 7th, 2004 seems a long time ago, 
but it featured Norwich midfielder Alexander Tetty on the bench for Rosenborg against Arsenal at Highbury. The then 18-year-old was an unused substitute and watched Jose Reyes, Thierry Henry, Robert Pires, Robin Van Persie and Chesk Fabregas score for the Gunners in a 5-1 win. Joy for Josh Former Arsenal Academy player Josh Martin recently made his first-team debut for Norwich, coming off the bench in their first lockdown fixture against Southampton. The stalwart, 27, Alexander Tetty, midfielder, born Accra, Ghana, 4th of April 1986, previously Rosenborg, Skyde, Lone, Wren. Now 34, former Norway international Alexander has been a part of the Carrow Road furniture for eight years, having joined the club from French top-flight club Wren. A double domestic champion with Rosenborg at the start of his career, this is the midfielder's fourth Premier League campaign with the Canaries, two of the previous three having ended in relegation. He has been a regular performer this term, scoring in the 2-1 home defeat by Sheffield United in December. The schemer, 17, Emmy Buendia. Born Mardel Plata, Argentina, 25th of December 1996. Previously, Getafe, Cultural Leonesa, loan. An Argentinian attacking midfielder signed in June 2018 from Spanish club Getafe on a four-year deal, Emmy proved to be a pivotal figure in the Canaries' promotion-winning campaign, scoring eight goals in 38 appearances. While goals have proved hard to come by in the Premier League, the 23-year-old has repeatedly proved his worth as a creator of chances for others, registering eight assists by the early March shutdown, the third highest figure in the league. The Rising Star 14. Todd Cantwell, midfielder Born, Dereham, 27th of February, 1998 Previously, Fortuna Sittard, loan. Norfolk born and bred, the Dereham Deco has turned himself into a local hero with the Carrow Road faithful in the past couple of seasons, emerging as a top-class midfield prospect last season and blossoming into something special this term in the Premier League. A scorer in the 2-2 home draw against Arsenal seven months ago, the England under-21 international had netted six top-flight goals by New Year's Day, entrancing partisans and neutrals alike with his skill and industry, despite the club's relegation struggles. The Flying Finn 22. Timu Paki, attacker Born, Kotka, Finland, 29th of March, 1990 Previously, KTP, Sevilla, HJK, Schalke, Celtic, Brondby. A much-travelled Finland international, Timu's career has peaked in recent years, firstly with Brondby in Denmark, then, after a free transfer, in his debut season at Norwich, when he scored 30 goals to power the Canaries into the Premier League, before confirming his talent in England's top flight, while spearheading Finland's qualification for Euro 2020, the country's first major tournament, with 10 goals in 10 games. Sharp and Pacey, 
the 30-year-old is crucial to Norwich's survival chances. Scouting Report Norwich have become accustomed to being at the foot of the Premier League table in 2019-20. But that illustrates the unusually impressive level of quality in the bottom half. The Canaries have consistently shown themselves capable of causing big sides problems. Their 3-2 victory over Manchester City remains one of the most memorable results of the seasons and their position is really a reflection of their tendency to lose against fellow strugglers. In Daniel Farker, Norwich have an intelligent, methodical tactician who created a formidable side that ran away with the championship title last season. Because of financial prudence, a long-term approach and a genuine belief in the talents of their youngsters, Norwich largely kept faith with the players who achieved that promotion – and while results have been disappointing, various players have impressed. Farker generally uses 4-2-3-1, spearheaded by Timu Paki, who enjoyed a tremendous run of form in the autumn before struggling in winter, primarily because of a lack of service. Not merely a fine finisher, the Finn can run the channels and link play well. When Paki drops back, Norwich get players running in behind. Todd Cantwell is another who wasn't quite able to sustain his early season form and is sometimes guilty of conceding possession cheaply, but offers guile and incision when breaking forward. He was particularly lively in the reverse fixture. Emiliano Buendia is another hugely talented attacking midfielder whose numbers in terms of chance creation rival the league's best. Andrej Duda, Lucas Rupp, Marco Stieperman and Onel Hernandez have all been handed opportunities to play as the third attacking midfielder, while in the 3-0 defeat to Southampton, Farker experimented with 4-4-2 for the first time, with Josip Durimic up front alongside Pucky. The two combined for Norwich's best chance – but the Canaries were overrun in midfield. Norwich's midfielders are steady rather than spectacular. Kenny McLean and Tom Tribal are decent central midfielders who stay in position and leave the attacking to the front four and the overlapping full-backs. Those full-backs have both enjoyed positive campaigns. Both recruits from the Luton Town Academy, Max Ahrens contributes heavily in build-up play and is a fine crosser from the right. And it's not unusual to see Jamal Lewis collecting those crosses from the other flank. His superb curling winner against Leicester in February, a fine example of that. And Farker is happy for both to push forward simultaneously. Centre-back Ben Godfrey is another highly rated defender, although he hasn't had a regular partner this season, with Christoph Zimmerman, Grant Hanley and even central midfielder Alex Tetty featuring alongside him at the back. Goalkeeper Tim Krull has had a fine campaign and has had some lively games against Arsenal over the years. Norwich, though, have a poor record in terms of set-piece concessions and also appear vulnerable to speedy attacks down the flanks, in part because the fullbacks push on so aggressively.
Match Report, Manchester City, Premier League, Match Day 29, 8.15pm, Wednesday, June 17th, Etihad Stadium, Manchester City 3, Arsenal 0. Goal scorers, Manchester City, Sterling 45, De Bruyne 51, Foden 90. Teams, Manchester City 31, Edison 2, Walker 14, Laporte substituted 70th minute 50, Garcia 22, Mendy 8, Gundogan 17, De Bruyne substitute 70th minute 21, De Silva substituted 65th minute 7, Sterling 9, Gabriel Jesus substitute 80th minute 26. Mares substitute 65th minutes. Substitutes Carson, Zinchenko, Otamendi, Rodri, yellow card, 70th minute, B. Silva, 65th minute, Fernandinho, 70th minute, Foden, 65th minute, Aguero, 80th minute, Sane. Arsenal, 1. Leno, 2. Bellerin, 3. Tierney, yellow card, 20. Mustafi, 22. Mari, substitute, 24th minute. 77. Saka, 28. Willock, substitute, 67th minute. 34. Zaka, substitute, 8th minute. 29. Gwenduzi, substitute, 67th minute. 30. Nicotia, substitute, 67th minute. 14. Obermeyang, substitutes, Martinez, David Luiz, Red card, 24th minute. Kolasinac, Ceballos, 8th minute. Maitland-Niles, 67th minute. Lacazette, 67th minute. Pepe, Nelson, 67th minute. Martinelli. First half. Our first game in 102 days was played in exceptional and highly unusual circumstances. With supporters banned from stadiums across the country due to the ongoing pandemic, the only people inside the Etihad Stadium were the players, coaching staff, members of the media and other event organisers. So it was no surprise that the players took a while to adjust to the surreal occasion. We started the game well, but lost Granit Xhaka early on to injury, then Pablo Mari followed suit in the opening 25 minutes. The hosts began to exert some pressure, finally taking the lead in stoppage time after a mistake from David Luiz. Second half, David Luiz conceded a penalty and was red-carded when he hauled back Riyad Mahrez in the box early in the second half, and Kevin De Bruyne slotted home from 12 yards. Bernd Leno performed heroics after that, and Mikel Arteta made full use of his five substitutes. But City added a third late on through Phil Foden. The match ended 10 against 10 after Eric Garcia was injured in a clash with Edison. Match stats. Total shots. Man City 20, Arsenal 3. Shots on target. Man City 12, Arsenal 0. Corners. Man City 5, Arsenal 2. Offsides. Man City 1, Arsenal 5. Fouls. Man City 9, Arsenal 7. Possession. Man City 67%, Arsenal 33%. Teams. For Arsenal, 
Head coach, Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and white socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Masut Ozil. 11. Lukash Torreira. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper. 28. Joe Willock. 29. Matteo Ganduzzi. 30. Eddie Nkitia. 31. Zird Golazinac. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 77. Bukayo Saka. For Norwich City, manager Daniel Farker. Yellow and green shirts, green shorts, yellow socks. 1. Tim Krul, goalkeeper. 2. Max Ahrens. 3. Sam Byram. 4. Ben Godfrey. 5. Grant Hanley. 6. Christoph Zimmermann. 7. Lukas Rupp. 8. Mario Vuranchic. 10. Moritz Leitner. 11. Onel Hernandez. 12. Jamal Lewis. 14. Todd Cantwell. 15. Tim Closer. 17. Emiliano Buendia. 18. Marco Stieperman. 19. Tom Tribal. 20. Josep Drimic. 22. Timu Puki. 23. Kenny McLean. 25. Andre Yuda. 27. Alexander Tati. 33. Michael McGovern, goalkeeper. 35. Adam Ida. Match officials. Referee. Peter Banks. Assistant referees. Daniel Cook. Richard West. Fourth official. Darren England. VAR official Mike Dean. Additional VAR official Ian Hussin. Today's other fixtures. Bournemouth versus Newcastle United at 6pm. Everton versus Leicester City at 6pm. West Ham United versus Chelsea at 8.15pm. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Miserable lineup on BT Sport. Premier League, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, the Emirates FA Cup, Ladbrokes Premiership, UEFA Super Cup, Bedford Cup, Gallagher Premiership Rugby, Heineken Champions Cup, European Rugby Challenge Cup, Bundesliga, Vanarama National League, MotoGP. WTA Fight Night Live UFC KFC BBL FIH Hockey World League Barclays FA Women's Super League BT Sport Speedway WRC World Rally Championship Major League Baseball 
search bt.com slash sport. BT Sport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Arsenal. We're here with fresh beer. Camden Hell's Lager and Camden Pale Ale are now available from every draft bar at Emirates Stadium. Cheers. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Facebook and Twitter, Camden Brewery. Website, camdentownbrewery.com. VAR. What can it be used for? Goals. Offside in build-up. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Penalties. Awarded. Not awarded. Foul inside or outside the box. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Red cards. Correctly given. Incorrectly given. Not for second yellow card. Or mistaken identity. For red yellow card given to the wrong player. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.